Howdy guys, I'm Aiden of Blue Couch Productions, and welcome to Aiden on Anchor. Aiden on Anchor is a podcast focusing on my life. I'll tell you a lot about myself and hopefully provide value through experience. You're listening to episode 101 of the show, recorded on February 22nd, 2022, at exactly 11.22 a.m. A lot of twos there. I just realized it's one of those dates where it's like, the fact that you can have that many twos in, in one day, I don't, I don't think that's ever going to happen again, right? That shouldn't, at least in my lifetime, and until we go to like 2,222, but uh, I'll be dead by then, so that's unfortunate. Anyway, dark note aside, <laughs> what are we going to be talking about today for Aiden on Anchor? Well, got a variety of topics, but what I want to touch on first, and I think what's been the most interesting thing for me is this Wii U and Nintendo 3DS eShop discontinuation. They're shutting it down, if you haven't heard, both the 3DS and the Wii U eShop. After March 2023, will no longer be possible to make purchases. You can't add funds, you can't download game demos, free content, buy games, it's all going. And it's created sort of an interesting discussion uh, in not only the Nintendo community, but the game preservation community. And I kind of just wanted to talk about that, give my thoughts, let you know how I feel about that, because I think it's interesting. And it's not necessarily a uh, easy answer one way or the other. I think it's kind of a little bit of a gray area there. So let's talk about that. So on the one hand, the fact that this shop is closing sucks because there's so many like cool games available on the eShop. In the 3DS's case, it had a huge digital library of games that never came to physical, either, you know, 3DS-specific titles or, like, DSiWare, you know, games that have been digital for a long time now. Like, we're talking over 10 years, because you got to keep in mind, 3DS came out in 2011, right? That's a long-ass time <laughs> for a console to be out. So it, it built a catalog of games that just are not going to be available anymore. No no demos, no games, no nothing. They're just gone. And in the Wii U's case, it doesn't have necessarily a bunch of digital games, but the Wii U has the last Nintendo Virtual Console. And it's a pretty good one. Obviously not as good as the Wii. But think about like everything you can play on the Wii U. Wii digital games. DS games. NES, Super Nintendo, N64... You could download digital versions of Wii U games. It's not advised. Like on the Switch, some people can go all digital. On the Wii U, it's not really a good idea. But the fact that you could do that is insane. And then think about like DLC, right? Smash Brothers, Mario Kart 8. These games in their base versions will always be available. But if you want like the complete package with, let's say, all the Smash Brothers fighters or all the Mario Kart tracks... They're just not going to be there anymore. And some people will say, oh, well, you know, you could buy Smash Ultimate. You could buy Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. But they are not the same game, you know? Smash Ultimate is very different from Smash Wii U. They play so differently from each other. Mario Kart's obviously a little bit different. Uh, but considering Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is now getting DLC, we're going to have this problem all over again 10 years down the road when the Switchy shop closes down. And then what? Like, are we just going to be able to, are we going to lose all that history? Like, it's concerning. It's concerning how many classic games, especially on the Wii U, are just going to be gone now because Nintendo decided 
eh, we don't want to keep the servers running. And that's sort of the other side of the coin that I need to touch on is they can't keep the eShop open forever, right? I think we all kind of like know that. Like for as much as people want to get mad at Nintendo for being like, oh, why are you closing the eShop or whatever? Like they can't run it till the end of time. Like there's server costs, there's hosting and, and bandwidth concerns and keeping all the games up. And let's be honest, like there's not a lot of active Wii U users out there. I feel like most people at this point in time, the Switch came out in 2017, it is now 2022. If you have not gotten a Switch or a Switch Lite or have moved on, then I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's hard to blame Nintendo for that when they've given you plenty of time and different buying options. The the idea that like the the eShop has to be open till the end of time is a uh, is weird. You know, I I feel like this is sort of one of those inevitability things. Like people got really mad at Sony when they were going to close down the PS3 and the and the Vita stores. And everybody made an uproar and like, no, keep it up. And they did, you know, they listened and that's cool. And that shows like a sign of respect, but like for how much longer, right? They can't keep having it up forever, especially when they're running not only a PS3 eShop, but a Vita eShop, uh, a PS4 one, a PS5 one. Like, unless I'm wrong and they actually share the same store, uh, which would be the, the obvious solution, but I don't think they all share the same store. So it's like, w would you just run all four of them at the same time? That seems like a awful business strategy and not something that uh, is a promise. You know, it's not a guarantee that these digital stores will run forever. Um, and that's always been a bit of a, a catch with digital is like, yes, you have all the convenience of all these different games that you can play on on different hardware. But if, let's say, Steam goes down or Epic Game Store goes down, you don't own those games, you know, and they're gone and there's no way you can play them. Now, the odds of, like, Steam shutting down are pretty low. The odds of, I, I think, Epic Game Store just going away are, are pretty low at this point. But for consoles and console-specific storefronts, yeah, absolutely, that's going to be a thing. They're going to be gone. You will not be able to buy them. And uh, pretty much the only physical way you can hold on to those games is hope to god that sd card didn't corrupt you know hope that you don't run out of space hope that you don't uh reset a system to, to factory default right it, it'll be your own wii u will be the last bastion of those downloads and then if that wii u dies or anything it's gone because lol nintendo accounts still till this very day in 2022 uh, do not properly transfer over things so, yeah, this whole thing just really has gotten me thinking more than ever that when the new Switch comes out or whatever Nintendo's next mainline console, when it does come out, it needs to carry everything from the Switch over, you know? And they've kind of talked about that. Like, there's recent um, business meetings and, 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 and insider stuff that kind of shows that they're trying to build an ecosystem for the final time, you know, and not having to keep reinventing the wheel every time a new system comes out. So hopefully, right, the 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 fact that yes, the Switch eShop isn't good right now, but if it's still here two or three console generations down the line, it'll be the best, you know? Uh yes, NES and Super Nintendo online are aren't great, 
but it's a subscription service. And if the service continues, which there's no reason why it shouldn't, then they can improve it and make it better than the virtual console. The problem right now and why this whole thing stings even more is, yes, the Wii U and 3DS eShop closing is, is bad, but it wouldn't be as bad if Nintendo had systems in place to where you could still play all those games. If Nintendo had the option to download Metroid Prime Trilogy, which you can do on the Wii U, then nobody would be mad. You know, if you, if you had a way to play these digital 3DS games, if there was more on the NES and Super Nintendo Online, if they offered more systems past N64, then I don't think people would be complaining. But as it stands now, the Switch, while it does have a good bit of classic games, you know, while, while developers are taking it upon themselves to release collections and packs and everything, it's still not there yet. And it won't be for several years. That's just sort of a a fact of life. So I hope uh, that whenever the Switch 2 or whatever comes next, that it either, one, supports the services that are already in place, the NES, the Super Nintendo Online, keeping the same Nintendo account so I can just transfer that shit over in the same way that you can transfer saves and games between two different Switches. I hope that stuff stays. Or at the very least, the, the new console is, is backwards compatible with Switch. So that if I do decide to go the physical route, that I don't have to rebuy all this shit again. Because I think the fact of the matter is, is like Nintendo has never felt comfortable with any particular ecosystem that they've built over the years. They always feel the need to reinvent the wheel every so often. Like the last, I think, normal Nintendo console was the GameCube. Think about that. The last normal Nintendo console that you just play with a controller had good graphics, wasn't behind, it was the GameCube. And even that had some compromises. The fact that its form factor was so small and it had a handle and the fact that the discs were so small meant that games were more expensive and you had to put two or three discs in there just because Nintendo wanted to fight piracy. But like, even with all of that, the GameCube is still far and away the most normal Nintendo system. And so for the past, geez, 20 years... They keep trying to reinvent the wheel again. The Wii, the Wii U, the Switch. These three consoles are so radically different from each other. And they all have different ways to play games. Think about that. If you wanted a Wii game, then you would have to find a way to make it work with the Wii U and the gamepad, which thankfully, you know, the Wii U's backwards compatible, so that helps. But then if you wanted to take a Wii game to the Switch, okay, well, there's Joy-Cons, right? But they're not exactly the same thing. What do you do with like a Wii U port, right? Like the Switch is obviously doing Wii U ports now, but a lot of them are having to sacrifice things. Mini maps or the ability to teleport or conveniences that are just gone. Like Pokemon. Like there's so... The, the DS and 3DS generation of Pokemon is going to be a special time in this franchise when it's all said and done and we look back on it because like the amount of convenience that you get from having a bottom screen that can do actions and organize menus so you don't have to take up all that action on the top screen is so nice. And like for the foreseeable future, that's just not going to be a thing anymore. Like, yes, the switch has a touch screen and yes, you can put Wii U ports on there, but there's always going to be compromises. There's always compromises because all three of these systems are so radically different from the norm. None of these systems are just pick up a controller and play games, you know? So it's going to be really hard 
to preserve the legacy of any of these games. The Switch can do it okay now, but what happens when they reinvent the wheel again for the next one, right? Which is why I'm hoping they don't. Which is why I'm hoping, like, hey, the Switch is so successful. It's their most successful console in the modern era. It's outsold all of their previous systems. It's on track to being one of the best-selling consoles of all time. Can we finally, like, stick with the gimmick? Like, if we're going to stick with one gimmick, I'd rather it be the Switch than, like, a Wiimote or a GamePad or VR goggles or a, a bottom touchscreen. Like, what, whatever they decide to go with, I feel like we can all agree that, like, the Switch is the best of the, of the quote, gimmicks. So let's stay with that so that we don't keep having issues like this keep popping up. Because at the end of the day, I'm not personally mad that the Wii U and 3DS eShop is closing down. I think it's an inevitability. I feel like even the Sony one is eventually going to shut down. That's just sort of a fact of life. That's how we deal with digital games on, on console storefronts. But what I will say is I'm mad at Nintendo for not planning ahead, you know, thinking a little bit farther than three or four years and having systems in place to where the effects of shutting down a service like this aren't catastrophic because it is, it's going to be really shitty when these services close down and physical games are going to be a lot more expensive because you can't buy Metroid Prime Trilogy for $20 anymore. You can't play GBA games easily anymore. You can't play DS stuff easily anymore. Hope you have a bunch of physical hardware like me that you just hoard around and put on a shelf. Otherwise, shit's going to suck, you know? And I'm, I'm, I'm in the situation where I have all this hardware and it still sucks from a preservation standpoint. So those are my thoughts on it. It's uh, an unfortunate scenario that's going down, but hopefully I gave you a little bit more to, to think about and uh, sort of ponder about what does Nintendo have planned next? I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but we'll see. We'll see. All right, next up, I want to talk about a story that I have, and this is going to be a fun one. Uh, a lot of you like what I tell stories on Aiden on Anchor. Uh, I recently got an Uber Eats account. Um, not to order food because, again, LOL, fast food money, LaMau, I don't be having that to carry around. What, what do you think? I just use the Patreon money to order Burger King? Like, no, I don't be living that good of a life yet. If you want, though, links in the description below. Now, I got an Uber Eats account so I could uh, start making money. I wanted to be a delivery driver. I'm like, you know what? These standard nine to five jobs aren't working for me. I still want to do some video editing stuff on the side, and I got plans for that coming forward. But in the meantime, let me find something part-time that I can do on my own schedule and make a little bit of money, right? Not just sit here and be broke forever. That, that would be nice. Uh, so given that I have a vehicle and given that I live in a city, which is, you know, epic, and given the fact that I'm also a street away from all the major restaurants, it seemed like I'd be a good fit for Uber Eats. But I just never had the opportunity to try it out. I was scared. I was worried. I'm like, how does all this go work? I don't know. Whatever. So Ethan yesterday was like, hey, let me let me take you out. Let me show you how it works because he's done it before, you know. So cool. Uh, when we go out, it's about three o'clock and I thought that a lot would happen. And for the first hour, nothing happened. We just basically sat in our car, loitered, went to Goodwill, got two uh, new VHS movies, uh, the DuckTales film, and we're back, a dinosaur story. Let me know if you've heard of any of those. I have not watched either. Uh, but we're in the Goodwill parking lot after buying those, and finally, a little pink shows up. 
it goes ding, ding, ding. I'm like, oh, oh shit. Uh, my first Uber Eats order. And look, it's not even that far away. I basically go to the McDonald's and then drive like two streets and order it all for like $13. Sound like a good deal to me. Well, we get the McDonald's, we're driving, and we're about a street away from the uh, delivery address. And we're turning, and Ethan goes, wait a minute, is that Easy Street? I'm like, yeah, I'm turning on the Easy Street. Wow, if this wasn't a clear metaphor, I don't know what is. Clearly, all the signs are pointing toward this being a good idea. Turn on Easy Street, we're looking for the house, and and we can't find it. We just can't find it. At first, we go to where Uber Eats says the house is. So we park there, drop the food off, take a little picture. I'm figuring all this out. And then the people at the house uh, knock on the door. And they come out. And they're like, we didn't order McDonald's. I'm like, oh. Well, that's unfortunate because I just sent the photo. So I asked them. I'm like, okay, well, you know, if this isn't your food, do you know who this person is? Do you know if their house is here? And they're like, no. No, we don't actually. Uh, So we're like, well, you know, thank you for your time, whatever. We go up and down this road, this avenue. And I don't want to say what the avenue is, right? So we're going up and down. We're checking all these houses. And we can't find it. We're like, what is going on? Not only that, every time we try to type it in on both Google Maps or the Uber Eats Maps, it keeps pointing us back to that old house that we deliver food to. And we know it's not them. So we're driving back around. And the same people who we delivered the food to the first time and said it wasn't us, uh, flags us down. And it's like, hey, I just looked up the address for you. It doesn't exist, like at all. And I'm like, it doesn't exist? Yeah, see, our house has one of the numbers on the address, but it also has two others. So clearly Uber Eats or whatever was getting confused and just didn't specify it. Uh, But the actual one that it says to go to does not exist. There is no... Uh, address that perfectly matches so at this point we have a bag full of mcdonald's one person who has told us no we did not order as well as learning the fact that the address that we thought was real does not exist so at this point we're uh, a little heartbroken you know Uh, this is my first uber eats order i'm starting to think back on the fact that we had to turn on the easy street to get here and it wasn't easy at all You know, like, what's up with that? Like, here I thought this was the perfect sign that all was going to work out well, and it just hasn't. And at this point, we've wasted 30 minutes. We're parked outside a gas station trying to figure out what to do. And then Ethan has the brilliant idea, yo, let's call the Uber Eats support. We call them up. Indian man, you know, clearly working from somewhere. It's hard to hear. Cell service isn't great. And I explain the problem to him, and he's like, hey, well, I can contact the customer and see what's going on. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Ten minutes pass, still have this McDonald's in our, in our vehicle, and he calls back, and he's like, hey, I figured it out. I'm like, yeah? They forgot to add a number <laughs> to their address when they ordered the food. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, so this is what the actual address is supposed to be. And sure enough, we go over there, we deliver it, Clearly, an older woman uh, who, in my opinion, seemed kind of scared and was just like, thank you, and then kind of shut the door on me. And it all just, like, clicked together, and I'm like, oh, man, 
we have spent 30 minutes looking at maps, swearing that this place existed. It turns out it actually did, but the customer just didn't type it in correctly. All for my first Uber Eats order. Like that, if that isn't like some form of Aiden has shitty luck, I, I don't know what is. I was just happy that it was delivered. You know, at this point, you would think I'd be angry. You would think I'd be like mad or whatever. Uh, but the Uber support guy like gave me four extra dollars for sitting on the line and, you know, giving them their food. And the person I actually delivered the food to like tipped an extra five dollars. So what would have been $13 altogether by the time it was all said and done, I made 22 bucks from that one order, uh, which is crazy. But the amount of steps that it took to get to that point was insane. Uh, I'm going to try it again. We'll see. But I feel like for the foreseeable future, we might be getting some pretty entertaining Uber Eats stories. Uh, because, wow, for this to be the first one, that's that's pretty fascinating. So hope you enjoyed that. Sorry I had to, you know, blur out some of the details. I, I don't want to mention, like, street names and, you know, who the person was. Like, when I told the story the first time to my parents, I mentioned all those details. And I thought it'd be easy, but then I'm like, no, wait a minute. I'm on a public podcast. I can't just say people's names and say people's addresses. But hopefully you get the idea. Uh, me and Ethan had a lot of fun just sitting in the car listening to uh, the Battle of Naboo. Uh, got to hear his reactions for the for the first time. It was a it was a fun experience, but one that was definitely stressful to say the least. So, yeah, I think that'll do it for this episode of Aiden on Anchor. We got an Uber Eats story, and we talked about Nintendo eShop closures, and uh, I think that'll be it for me. So, if you want, you can support this podcast. There's a little support button on there. You can donate to the show, keep it working, keep it going good. Shout out to Jay the Zoomster, Zach, and Carrie Knight, who have all donated to the podcast in the past. And uh, with all that being said, I've been Aiden of Blue Catch Productions, and I'm signing off. <laughs>